We respectfully acknowledge the University of Arizona is on the land and territories of indigenous peoples. Today, Arizona is home to 22 federally recognized tribes, with Tucson being home to the Autumn and Yaqui. Committed to diversity and inclusion, the university strives to build sustainable relationships with sovereign native nations and indigenous communities through education offerings, partnerships, and community service. joining us for our season three reflection episode. Steph and I are excited to look back at the themes that came out of this past season and look ahead to the future of the podcast in March of 2023. As always, you can learn more about the podcast at papathpodcast.com. And we want to thank our loyal listeners for listening in these past three seasons. The numbers were well beyond what we ever expected. And we are just so excited to hear from you and learn how the podcast is influencing your choices on PA education and on the PA profession as well. We're also delighted with all the PA educators and professionals that have been listening in too, and we look forward to continuing to deliver really great stories across our profession to all of you. We wanna wish you a happy new year and enjoy this reflection episode. Well, Steph, we're done with season three. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. First of all, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed a wonderful New Year's celebration yesterday. Same to you. Yes, it is a brand new year. And here we go for 2023. I know. I know. 2022 for me was a big year of transition, obviously, because I moved in January to Tucson. And uh, we're finally, I feel like we're finally settled in. What, What are you looking forward to for yourself in 2023? Uh, gosh, you know, it, I feel like we are on the home stretch of getting my Creighton PA program in Omaha fully accredited. We have our final provisional visit this year. So we're hoping to round that out and be successful through all three of the visits and, and get the program fully accredited, which will be, uh, I think my my team here at Creighton would would agree that that is going to be a, a big feather in our caps and, and something that we're very much looking forward to having accomplished. Yeah, yeah. For me, I am uh, going through a higher learning commission accreditation visit in 2023, and then we'll be able to apply to the ARC and find out when we get on their calendar. So that's exciting as well. Yes, the life of the life of a PA program administrator is it's it's overrun with (laughs) concerns of accreditation on all fronts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have my first four new positions are going to be posted here soon. So that's exciting. Yeah. So So, I get to start hiring a team, which would be great. Absolutely. So if you're out there and you're a PA educator, and you want a program of excellence in a place that has beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful weather conditions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about last week, the the huge storm across the country, like Tucson and San Diego, I think were the only two places that kind of avoided that mess. Yes. It was 71 on Christmas Day. So that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not shabby. No, we didn't have our white Christmas, but we did have snow in the mountains the week before. So it was I, I'm hanging on to that memory. Well, as I sat in uh, nights of of 50 below wind chill, I can certainly say that just a little snow-capped mountaintops 
on a view from 70 degree temperatures would have been preferable. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so let's let's look back and then we'll look forward to season four. So for season three, we started off with Dr. Pangela Dawson from Morehouse School of Medicine. And we ended up with Dr. Matt Dane Baker from Thomas Jefferson University and had a lot of great interviews in between. I thought before we go specifics on, you know, their kind of themes that we read, I just thought I would share a little bit of the data from the past three seasons, if that's okay. Yeah, let's hear it. So interestingly, to date, all time, we've had 16.2 thousand downloads of our episodes and our audience, 90 98, 94% comes from the United States, but we also have listeners in Ireland, Canada, the United Kingdom, Mexico, Greece, the Dominican Republic, France, India, Japan, and Pakistan. Um, so we, we definitely are developing a little bit more of a global look at the podcast, which is really exciting. Absolutely. Word of the PA profession around the globe. <laughs> Do you have any idea where we are downloaded the most? Any thoughts? Where, oh, where do people get their podcast information? Uh, Spotify? Spotify is number two, mm-hmm. 20, 25% Apple from Podcasts. Spotify. Yeah, yeah, 30% from Apple Podcasts. Apple rules the world, right? And then uh, Google Chrome, Safari, LinkedIn, Overcast, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, and the list goes on and on. Right. So, yeah, anyways. All right, well, let's let's talk about themes. What were some of the big themes that you heard this last season? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is not a conversation to be had about PA practice or PA education right now that doesn't in some way lead back to the doctoral issue that I think looms large over our profession right now. I think there's just a lot of unresolved discussion around this around this doctoral issue. And I think all of us look forward to some sort of this converging into some sort of conclusion, uh, you know, knowing that the profession professional organizations will be coming together for a doctoral summit here this coming spring i think is a good thing i think you know getting some consensus and and hopefully starting to move the profession in a in a in a direction whatever that might look like is i think something that everyone seems to be looking quite forward to yeah we we kind of heard about that from quite a few folks mostly around the postgraduate doctorate correct mm-hmm. we had uh, dr welsh from the university of lynchburg and their dmsc mm-hmm. we had dr luke from the arcpa talking about what their role would be mm-hmm. if a doctorate were to become uh, the favor of the profession we heard from uh, dr danielson at at still university and uh, their kind of thoughts on the challenges of adding a doctorate as a terminal degree or an entry-level degree versus the ease of doing it as a postgraduate degree. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Dr. Baker just last week shared his perspectives on the future of the profession and and just the vast changes that could take place in the coming decades. So there's there's a lot to kind of think about related to it. Well, there's a lot to parse out. You know, I mean, there, there, it's kind of two questions, right? Is it is, you know, if... Should the doctoral degree be that entry level degree or, you know, the the profession's terminal degree? And then the, the kind of a separate but very related question is, should there be a defined set of standards or what does a what does it mean to have a, a doctoral degree, a PA doctoral degree? You know, it's pretty widely varied of the doctoral degrees that have developed to date. Um, there's some variations. There's a lot of similarities, but there's some variations among those. And, you know, what risks or benefits are there to having variety in the doctoral degrees that PAs may may obtain? And so, you know, I just think that there it's a it's a complex machine. It's a complex question. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think it's just the the profession. You know, I think 
marking time and, and pretending it's not an issue and ignoring the fact it's it's not, you know, not answering, not answering this question is, is perilous to our profession. And so I think at least coming together and coming to some consensus and having a direction and having some definition and some standards, I think is going to be a good thing. We, we heard a lot about diversity throughout the series again, which is wonderful. We continue to hear that there seems to be an effort afoot among many of our programs and our colleagues to try to improve diversity in the profession. And, and Dr. Danielson talked about this with his doctoral conversation related to the fact that when we move from the bachelor's to a master's degree, there is a grave concern about the impact of diversity. And we're still trying to resolve the impact that that had. Mm-hmm. And the diversity numbers are still not reflective of the communities that we serve. And so I just wonder what your thoughts are from hearing everybody else talk about this on how the doctorate may impact diversity and how we might mitigate that if, in fact, we move in that direction. Yeah, I think it's a definite concern. I think it's an element that should be considered among all of the other factors that need to be factored into this. I mean, and I think anytime you make a degree or a profession more involved, harder to get, more expensive, you know, if you anytime you place additional restrictions on it, it excludes a greater number of people that it becomes you know accessible to. And so I think that you can't discount that, you know, when the degree becomes longer in length, or when it becomes, you know, more of a commitment from a a time perspective, or from a financial perspective, it's, it's going to put it out of reach for some people. And, you know, I think you can't, you can't discount the populations of people that that will put that out of reach for, you know, either from a socioeconomic perspective, or, you know, whatever, whatever elements of diversity we look at that that might impact, I think that you can't, you can't discount that as an element to consider when making this decision. Yeah. And I think one of the impacts that that hits us all is the cost of education and student indebtedness. And if, in my opinion, if we don't have significant investments in a doctorally trained workforce from the federal government that allows for us to provide scholarships to uh, all of our community members that that want to attend our profession, uh, we're just going to have the same outcomes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the point that I continue to, I think the the drum that I continue to to pound on from a diversity perspective is the responsibility of each individual program. You know, it is the it, it truly is the admissions committees in each program that are making the decisions about who comes in the door to our profession. You know, a lot of course our professional organizations are important, and of course we have to seek, you know, to your point, funding and and uh, scholarships and you know federal support. All of those things are pieces of it, but but I continue to preach to whoever will listen to me that programs and program admissions committees are making the decision about who comes into our profession. And, you know, programs are the gatekeepers and we have to be making decisions accordingly. Individual programs have to be as committed to diversity as the profession is itself and the professional organizations and, and the people who spearhead those. So programs, I'm sure, struggle with this because they don't have enough diversity to set a diverse group of people on those admissions committees. Mm-hmm. They can certainly do things like require unconscious bias training, uh, require a, a diversity approach, uh, even diversity statements from candidates for jobs um, and for applicants that are seeking positions to ensure that people who are seeking these positions uh, have an understanding of the complexity of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues in our profession. Absolutely. But in the end, we're kind of in this catch 22. Right. Chase yeah. our tails. Yep. And it's, yeah. it's not just about, you know, admissions, it's about recruitment, it's about admissions, and it's about retention, and, you know, support for 
finding jobs and you know it's it's through the continuum it, it there has to be support through the continuum of the process for increasing diverse diversity and you know that becomes difficult too when you don't have university support for some of those some for some of those initiatives that can be, become a challenge as well absolutely and I think institutions are struggling with it because they are often putting their resources towards their undergraduate community mm-hmm. and, and expect graduate institutions and programs to be able to figure this out on their own. And if you're not well equipped from an institution's perspective financially to do this, you, the institutional turnaround tell you, well, you need to build your class size so you can bring in more money to be able to afford more positions that help us deliver more diversity to your mm-hmm. neck of the woods. So. I, I was really honored that we were able to get Matt Dane Baker on last week because, you know, as as you know, Matt is really well respected among the PA communities. Kind of hit that that provost level as a PA educator, which is one step below the president. Which we just had our first president PA in the past uh, year at Wichita State University, mm-hmm. and and so he certainly has a a very broad understanding of higher education. And what I really loved about that interview with Matt is he also alluded to his experience as a military leader, his experience as a leader in a long-term care facility, in a health system. Uh, He has experience with residencies. So I think he has a very good perspective. And one of the things that struck me that is counterintuitive to us increasing cost of PA education to get a doctorate is he was talking about the economic argument for healthcare and how it's moving towards the least expensive component. And he even said out loud, and that's not us anymore. Mm -hmm. So how is that going to impact us with businesses of the world saying we need better outcomes with our health of our employees. Uh, We need better outcomes with the health of our communities. And and it's too expensive to go down the route of physician training, physician models, PA models. You know, we're going to use the paraprofessionals instead. And here we are kind of pushing towards the doctorate because we're keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Do we price ourselves out of the market? But the flip side of that also is that, you know, when other professions that hold doctoral degrees and a great greater level of autonomy in their practice are getting hired and PAs aren't, then, you know, there's the flip side. So it's complicated. (laughs) I just keep saying it's complicated. There's no, you know, nobody's going to wave a magic wand and and, uh, create, create the perfect solution in all of this. You know, healthcare is complicated. We know this and we are a piece of that. And I am thankful that we have strong leaders in our our uh, professional organizations that have vision and you know are really seem to be taking the lead in in trying to make some inroads in these in these important conversations. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I was speaking with a retired PA educator a few months ago, and he was talking about how thankful he is that he gets to watch from the sidelines now, and you know recognizes that he is no longer contributing to this, but he he trusts the sociologic history of our profession that will be okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Any other topics that came out uh, really strong in the last season for you? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a continuation of a theme that we have seen throughout all three seasons. And the thing that I continue to be struck by is the breadth and depth of experiences that PAs and PA educators have that are, you know, not only unique, but all seem to lead back to really a commitment to service. 
service to mankind, service to community, there is a strong thread of service-minded individuals that come into this profession. And, you know, maybe that's become a bit of a chicken and an egg argument. Is it is it service-minded folks that are drawn to this profession? Or is this profession, you know, as it has grown, is it just become a sort of service-oriented profession? I think maybe there are elements of both of those that can be true. But we hear over and over again, you know, I look at these uh, unbelievable experiences that so many of the folks that we have had the opportunity opportunity to interview have had that are so service oriented. And, um, you know, almost across the board, when we ask folks from programs, you know, what are you looking for? What sets you apart as an applicant to, you know, X program, Y program, Z program? Almost always they're looking for an element of service. And, you know, I, I think that is just something that there have been conversations in the past that have said, you know, how do PAs really define themselves? What makes a PA unique? What, you know, what does it mean to be a PA? What are the unique, unique aspects of a PA? And after reflecting on the three seasons of, of visitors that we have had, I just can't help but but believe that service really truly is part of our DNA and it, it's a defining characteristic of our profession. I think it really is who we are. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think we've we've heard from the various kinds of service you've seen. You saw Dr. Baker, who was a military officer, Dr. Calhoun, who did HIV research for many years, uh, Dr. Danielson, former military and also higher ed leader and led in so many uh, state organizations and state laws being built around Arizona, Michael Stadler, the past president for PAEA, Dr. Grant, a military flight PA, uh, Dr. Sadler, who's not a PA, but he helped start the profession. Mm-hmm. And and he and his brother started organ transplantation with the help of NIH. And uh, Dr. Luke, I mean, the list goes on and on uh, all the way down for the season. Uh, what, I, what I'm excited about in that statement, Steph, is that when you look at the generational research and you look at millennials and Gen Zs, there is a big push from the new generations to be similar to to what our grandparents were like when it comes to service to your country, Mm -hmm. to your community, to fellow man. So uh, that is exciting. And I think it'll help us endure as a profession. Yeah. And, you know, in a, I think in a time where it feels like divisiveness in our country is rampant, um, it's a little heartwarming to say, to see that there's still a slice of healthcare, you know, a still slice of, of life that remains committed to, you know, loving, loving our fellow humans and, and creating a, an environment of service and of care for others. Oh, absolutely. When you think about the altruism in health professions, in, in janitorial or custodial services, in the people that took care of the sickest of the sick during the pandemic, yep. despite all the rhetoric going on in our country and the, the misinformation and, and hatred that was out there, people risk their lives to go to work every day to take care of humans and, yep. and to help families. And that's very, that's very true to the nature of our profession and many of the others. Absolutely. Where do we go next? What's next for the PA Path podcast, Kevin Lohenry? Well, first, I have to tell you some good some good news. I think we've gotten some feedback from our listeners, and many of them are pre-PAs who are getting into PA schools, and they're very thankful for all of the collective wisdom that has been shared from our guests. And, and I just want to thank all of our guests, not only from season three, but seasons one and two as well. I'll tell you a, a quick story. I was on a flight coming back from Atlanta in June, and I was I was flying on behalf of a university, so I, I couldn't take advantage of any decent seats. Uh, and I and I think I paid a little bit of extra for a little legroom and thought I had an open uh, seat next to me because there was no seat on the map. And in fact, what wasn't on the map that was on the airplane was the flight attendant seat next to me in the emergency exit 
And so it was a, actually a terrible seat for a big guy like me. But anyways, I sat next to this flight attendant. And of course, she was really interested in what I did. Mm-hmm. And she sat next to me for about 15 minutes on the takeoff and about 15 minutes on the landing. And then she took a break mid-flight and sat next to me. And turns out she, she was a nurse. She was trained at UCLA and uh, was a nurse in Los Angeles for many years and then decided to become a flight attendant. So we talked about the PA profession and she asked me why, why I was moving to Arizona, why I, I just you know, left LA and asked me about what I love about my job, what I loved about being a PA when I was in practice, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, I share my business card. You know, that happens to all of us do that. All the PA educators listening, get these kind of conversations that happen up, but she followed up and, cool. and that was uh, probably in September. And I encouraged her to listen to the podcast. Just so she could get a better sense of what PA education is about and what our colleagues are doing and what our students are doing and graduates, et cetera. Uh, I just got an email on Christmas Day from her saying that she is applying to PA schools and she is so oh, excited. That's great. To start. Yeah. That's so, great. so, and you know, we Being all in the world, one, one potential PA, PA yeah. applicant at the time. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I don't, you know, I don't know where she'll end up, but I think she'll be a fantastic PA because she had great, great customer service skills. And, you know, a lot of what we do is, customer service as well. Yeah, good. Interpersonal relationships, right? Yeah. So for those listening, next season is going to be more of the same. We're going to continue to try to highlight the stories of our programs around the country. We have a multitude that, you know, we can't keep up with accreditation. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. We're going to have a job for, for a decade or more because there's 300 accredited programs and yeah. I think we've covered about 65. Yeah. Um, and we have well, folks that we have been in conversation with that we still haven't managed to kind of get the timing right that we still, uh, we still have on our list that we will definitely catch up with. Was started and, actually in, yeah. And I heard from a, a listener saying, I just got into PA school. I love it. Love your butt. was taken on by when are you physician in Boston, here in the United States, a couple of decades ago, and another physician in get And those two, they're both Dr. Jim, Dr. Jim McConnell and Dr. Jim Jim Withers, uh, and we will be happy respectively. But interestingly, it has become a very strong PA-led approach. And the AAPA just uh, announced uh, their PA Humanitarian of the Year last year was uh, a PA that leads street medicine teams. And of course, uh, there's the USC street medicine team led by Brett and Corinne Feldman. So I'm excited to bring them on the podcast because what they've done in Los Angeles, which has the largest by far the largest population of homelessness in the United States. Uh, Their population, actually, if you take their population and put it on top of a map of the other top 20 cities in America, they still have more homeless in Los Angeles than they do elsewhere. So not in a good way, but uh, they they just had Medicaid for the state of California uh, change their policies to be able to pay the providers who are bringing primary care services to the patients who are experiencing chronic homelessness in the streets. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and that's directly because of the PA-led efforts in the state of California. So I'd love to, to uh, and we plan to interview uh, the Feldmans and, and learn more about what's going on in California, because I think it's amazing work and it is PA-led and, and yeah. needs to be covered. So what a great model that could, you know, then have greater applicability in other places. Because yeah. certainly we know that homelessness is not, uh, it's not confined to the borders of California. It certainly is a, is a, is a concern in many places. Absolutely. So, so yeah, lots of good things to cover next year and, and uh, next season. And I look forward to, to going along the ride with you, Steph. Well, I look forward to another season. Have a great 2023 and we'll see you in March. Until next time, we wish you success with whatever path you're walking in life. 
and thank you for joining us. The purpose of this podcast is to provide news and information on the PA profession and is for informational purposes only. The views and perspectives expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions or policies of the University of Arizona.